Pray about anything but in everything by prayer and petition. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Thanks for joining us today. This is the Hour of Intercession. I'm Pastor Joseph Park. We invite you to look with us in the Word of God to begin with in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6, beginning at verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints and for me that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Verses 10 through 20, Ephesians chapter 6. And looking briefly in the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 1, beginning at verse 15. Then the king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives, of whom the name of one was Shipra, and the name of the other Pua. And he said, When you do the duties of a midwife for the Hebrew women, and see them on the birth stools, if it is a son, then you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter, then she shall live. But the midwives feared God, and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the male children alive. So the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this thing and saved the male children alive? And the midwives said to Pharaoh, because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they alively give birth before the midwives come to them. Therefore God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and grew very mighty. And so it was, because the midwives feared God, that he provided households for them. So Pharaoh commanded all his people, saying, Every son who is born you shall cast into the river, and every daughter you shall save alive. Verses 15 to 22, Exodus chapter 1. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Father, for the counsel, the wisdom, the guidance, the grace, the anchor that your word is. It's these and so much more. Thank you, Lord, for the fact that your word is you, and we have the privilege of spending time with you one-on-one -on -one in your word each and every day. Father, more and more with every passing day, help us to fall more in love with you and with your word and empower us to be faithful disciples who are living a lifestyle where we're hearing and doing your word as a lifestyle. And help us to know, Lord, that as the church, you've called us to simply hear your word and your will and to live it out in a world that desperately needs to hear your truth. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Thank you again for listening to the Hour of Intercession. Our producer is Rick Roberts, and Rick is going to share a word of prayer at this time as well. Father, we come to praise you, to lift high your name. So thankful today, Father, we can boldly approach your throne, clothed in the righteousness of your precious Son, Jesus. Father, we pray for those pastors who will faithfully preach your word on Sunday. 
We pray, Father, that you will give them strength, give them courage, give them the words to say, and give those listening ears to hear what the truth you have to share with them and and give them, uh, strengthen them to respond in a way that honors you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Rick. And thank you again for being a part of our listening family. We're blessed and honored to have with us in studio today Fred Jackson. He's the news director for American Family News. Fred, how are you today? Doing great, Pastor Parker. An honor to be with you. Always good to have you, Fred. Now, it's been a, it's been years, actually, <laughs> since you've been on with us, but I'm honored to have you back. And Fred, if you would take a moment to further introduce yourself and tell our listeners, you know, even though many people listen to AFR News, they may not really grasp what it really means to have a Christian news organization that's a part of the ministry of the American Family Association and why it's really much more important than many believers realize. But if you'll further introduce yourself and tell them more about the mission behind uh, American Family News. Well, it actually, uh, the story goes back about 25 years. And at that time, our founder, Dr. Don Wildman, um, had come to the realization that uh, the the message that he was trying to get out, based on God's Word, uh, was not going to get through the secular filters of mainstream media. Mm. And, uh, it, you know, God led him, as he has led Brother Don through the years to start various facets of American Family Association. Brother Don felt it was important to have our own news service uh, that would be manned by Christians who would bring a Christian worldview, a biblical worldview to the news. Um, I came out of secular news and was very familiar with the kind of secular humanist thinking of, of world news where they bow the knee to human wisdom, whereas in Christian broadcasting, we bow the knee to God's wisdom. And so there's a vast difference. There's a vast gulf mm-hmm. uh, between the two. So uh, 25 years ago, uh, on a on a particular time, when I was looking at my future in secular broadcasting in Canada, uh, God led me to make a few phone calls. I ended up uh, coming to our headquarters here in Tupelo, Mississippi, mm-hmm. and uh, to just look around. Uh, but Brother Don said, would you like to come and work for us? And I felt that was the Lord opening up the door. Mm-hmm. And so we started American Family News at that time. And uh, God has uh, added many great people to our news team. Uh, the difference is this. Um, Let's just take abortion as an example. Mm -hmm. Uh, The mainstream media is going to favor the pro-abortion side of things. Mm -hmm. They are going to use terminology that says we have to stand up for the rights of women, uh, Mm -hmm. the freedom for them to choose. Mm -hmm. We've seen signs in recent days in front of the Supreme Court, my body, my choice. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that kind of demonstrates their thinking. But as Christians, of course, we believe that life begins at conception. That's right. That it is God who is forming that human being from the moment of conception. And that abortion is murder, Mm -hmm. very plain and simple. And we know what God's Word says about killing the innocent. Mm -hmm. And so there's the difference right there, uh, just in that one story. But then there's a host of other differences that we see. Uh, whether it's now we 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 are witnessing the uh, the agenda of homosexuals and homosexual activists, and uh, you know where they they want to take and destroy God's idea of what mar- mar- 
marriage should be. And uh, so, and, and now transgenderism, uh, that a boy who one day declares that he's a girl and wants to play on girls' sports teams. All of this goes back to a challenge against the authority of God, the authority of God's Word. And mm. so that's why American Family News is there, is to bring God's perspective to the news of the day. You know, we have some in Christian circles that say, well, those are political issues. You know, Christians don't need to be dealing with that. Mm-hmm. No, this is spiritual warfare that we're involved with in this country. Mm-hmm. And as Christians, we've got to bring God's perspective on these things. That's so right. that's what makes American Family News stand apart from the CNNs and the ABCs and the CBSs of this world. Mm. And, uh, and so it's, it's been a, an honor and a pleasure, 25 years now. And by God's grace, until he comes and gets us and sets up his kingdom, uh, we will do our very best with his strength to be faithful to him. Mm. Well, I appreciate you sharing just that, that your journey, but also just where, how the Lord brought American Family Radio, American Family News to come to be. Uh, Fred, would you take a moment now to pray for listeners to really have ears to hear that which the Lord would want them to hear on the broadcast today? Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for, first of all, loving us so much. Uh, You love us, and Lord, that so much that you sent your Son to die for us, to pay the price for our sin, to give us an eternal home in heaven. We're thankful so much that you don't change, that you are our sovereign, uh, that you uh, want to draw us closer each day, and that you use your word to do so. So we just pray today, Lord, that you would be honored by this broadcast. Uh, Lord, that uh, your truth uh, would not be filtered out by any of our human weaknesses, that people would see you in your truth and be drawn to you today. And we just ask this in your precious name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Fred. Now, you know, Fred, something that comes to my mind is that one of the many reasons why it's so important for uh, leaders in the church to understand that, uh, yes, Believers are to be involved in, well, as we say, involved in politics. God's people are supposed to be involved in everything. Salt and light. In, in every part of life, exactly. And, you know, and when you take news, for example, for many people, they will often, whether they say it or not, they'll equate news with truth. In mm-hmm. other words, I heard it on the news. Yes. So, in other words, this must be true. <laughs> and so all the more reason why it's so important to give news from a Christian perspective because that's a correct perspective. It is. And, and we have to be aware that, that many times our broadcast may make people upset. Mm-hmm. But we're also aware that we, we get comments many times, Pastor Parker, from people who say, I, I never heard that perspective before. <laughs> I didn't hear that side to that particular issue before, before they came across us on the dial, listening to our newscasts or reading a story on American Family News website. Mm-hmm. And, and so we're, we're very aware that we have a population out there that's grown up, whether through social media or watching TV or reading or talking to their friends, that are simply not aware. It's hard for us to believe who have been Christians for a long time, mm-hmm. but we have millions and millions of Americans, I'm told that, have never even heard the gospel. Mm-hmm. They, they, they have never, nobody has opened the Bible to them 
at any time. Like I say, it's hard for us to believe that, but we're now living in a society that, for the most part, is driven by secular wisdom. As, and so we, we, we have to be aware of that. That's why we have to share the basics with folks. That's right. Where, where are you getting your perspective? Well, we open God's Word to them. Mm-hmm. On the abortion issue, we open God's word to them, and we we show them where where God's word says that He knit us together in the womb. Mm. That's where we come from our perspective, our so called pro life perspective. That's right. It's not an opinion. Mm-hmm. We believe God's word. That's right. That God knits us together. And you know, all truth flows from God, the mind, and the heart of God. And it's so important for us to know as believers, we're to be rooted in that. And Yet, two words, Fred, that come to my mind that are major of major importance to us as believers is, is discernment and deception. Mm-hmm. Many times as, as believers, if you don't have discernment, you can be misled all day long by the things we hear on the news, on the media, through many different forms because our, our world majors on deception, deception. And so discernment is the ability to discern between what's right and what's wrong, what's true and what's not true. And deception, of course, is happening all over the place because many outlets that we think of are supposed to be sharing truth in reality are sharing their propaganda, what they want you to believe, what they want you to think, what they want you to hear. Oh, oh that's it exactly. And so there's, there's – it's sometimes an overused phrase, but we're in a battle for truth. Mm-hmm. We're in a battle for truth. And it, it's not a matter of just, you know, uh, a particular issue for an election coming up. We're talking about uh, the eternal destination of people's souls. That's right. That's right. Uh, it, it goes well beyond a lifetime. We're mm-hmm. talking about where people's souls are going to spend eternity. Mm-hmm. And if they're not going to get the truth— uh, especially coming from people who call themselves Christians, mm. that is of great concern. And I know we're going to be talking about that today. Mm-hmm. Many believe and, and describe themselves as Christians. Mm. But when you ask them about these issues, it's not reflective of biblical truth. That's right. We'll pick up there on the other side. You're listening to the Hour of Intercession. Our in-studio guest is Fred Jackson, News Director for American Family News. We'll be right back. Chris Tomlin with Amazing Grace. Thanks for listening to the Hour of Intercession. Our in-studio guest today is Fred Jackson. He's the news director for American Family News here at the American Family Association. And uh, uh, Fred, we're going to listen to a clip in just a few moments. So, but something I'd like to, a couple things we sort of touched on. Uh, you know, uh, read this cl- uh, this uh, scripture from Exodus one about ship and pure. Two uh, little midwives, they didn't even have the Ten Commandments, but they knew killing babies was wrong. Mm. 
And that's a truth that was in their heart. And they feared God above the government. So they did what God told them to rather than the government. And they're such great role models for the church for all times that we're to stand on God and his word. We're to fear God above all things and all people. You sent me an article, powerful article, about a very tragic um, matter, but at the same time, one again, where we desperately need discernment. Uh, a person who was purporting to be a Christian, who's very much involved in the abortion industry. Here, too, we need to know God's word is very clear. Mm -hmm. It's against the word and will of God to take the life of innocent human beings. Yet you have someone heavily entrenched in the abortion industry seeking to use Scripture to justify what they were doing. Yeah, it's an Associated Press story that came out just in the last few days. And uh, the focus is, and if your listeners want to go and read the story for themselves, they can Google Associated Press and Tuscaloosa because it's an abortion clinic in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Mm -hmm. And the Associated Press interviewed one of the ladies there. And what I was struck with in the uh, second sentence of the story, she talks about her her favorite Bible verse. Now, Mm -hmm. this is a worker at an abortion clinic. And she references Proverbs 3 and 5, trust mm-hmm. in the Lord with all your heart, be not unto your own understanding. She called it her favorite proverb. Says so she returns to it again and again. She says, he will make your path straight. Now, this mm-hmm. is a woman who's defending abortion. Mm-hmm. And then she, they go on to quote her as saying, we know that Christianity supports freedom and inherent in freedom is bodily autonomy. Mm. So she, you see what she's doing there? She's jumping from Scripture into secular reason. It's kind of mm. a – there's this uh, intermediary uh, kind of thinking. Well, the Bible supports the, uh, our choice, mm. yes, but it doesn't support our choice when it comes to saying, okay, therefore I'm going to sin. Mm-hmm. I'm going to commit what the Bible calls sin. People and choose to sin. They choose, but God never condones it. But never condones it. Mm-hmm. But she is she is saying God God's okay with our, our choice, and yes, He gives us choice. But then she jumps to, well, mm-hmm. that means if I choose abortion, God is okay with that. And, and that, you know, Fred, again, the word discernment. Yes. You can easily be discerned if you're not um, easily be deceived if you're not discerning enough to understand she's misusing scripture. Yes. Mm-hmm. And you know what? That reminds me when Jesus was tempted by Satan. Mm-hmm. What did Satan do? Tried to use the word on, on the word of God. <laughs> Tried to use the word on the very uh, on God himself because right. God Jesus is is God. Mm-hmm. And and so Satan thought he could get away with it. <laughs> but you know, Satan is still in the business of deceiving. That's right. Even That's right. using God's word. Mm. And praise the Lord, Jesus obviously didn't come even close to being <laughs> discern- right. you know, misled yes. by the deceiver. Yes. So, Fred, I'm going to ask you, you you're going to set up for us. We're about to listen to a clip from you did a powerful interview with George Barna when you were hosting one of our other broadcasts, uh, AFR at the Core. Would you tell our listeners about the clip we're about to hear? Yeah, George Barna is probably the preeminent uh, Christian researcher in our country. He has been doing surveys for years uh, um, on, the, and on the subject of biblical worldview. Mm-hmm. Where is the American population, where is the American population that describes themselves as Christians, where are they with regards to biblical worldview? 
And it's very important when, what are we talking about when we're saying biblical worldview? Well, he has a couple of key ingredients. Uh, he believes a, a biblical worldview must believe in absolute truth, mm-hmm. in the absolute truth of Scripture. They must believe that there is a heaven and a hell. They must believe that Jesus is the only way of salvation, mm-hmm. trusting in Jesus Christ and what he did on Calvary's cross. Those are all pretty basic to those of us who have been Christians. But mm-hmm. what's alarming is what George Barna is finding out in recent surveys There are many who simply don't even believe those basic truths anymore. Even those who call themselves born-again Christians, they may be even in evangelical churches. Mm. But they've departed from having a biblical worldview. So there's a couple of things uh, that we're going to play for you. First is uh, an initial part of a survey that Barnett did recently on young people in Mm. this country both young people who don't have any church experience, don't claim to be Christians, mm-hmm. but then also talking to uh, young people who describe themselves, even some of them, they describe themselves as born-again Christians, mm. and how they're beginning to depart from spiritual truth. Mm. So, Rick, if you'll play that first clip. We know across the country, among all parents of pre-teenage children, only 2% have a biblical worldview. If we look at the parents who call themselves Christian, which is 67% of all preteen parents, only 4% of them have a biblical worldview. And then if we were to narrow it down just to the born-again parents, not because they call themselves born-again, but they believe that when they die, they'll uh, experience uh, God's presence for eternity only because they confessed their sins and accepted Christ as their Savior. That's 22% of all preteen parents, but only 8% of them have a biblical worldview. So no matter how you look at it, it's appallingly low. And the impact that that has on their kids, I think we dealt with that. Yeah, which, which essentially is children during the ages of 15 to 18 months and age 13 are developing the worldview they're going to take with them for the rest of their life. So they're watching people places, organizations that they trust to get clues about what is a viable worldview. Parents are first and foremost on that list, but what we've discovered in the research is that because parents often say one thing and do another, their children are concluding that their parents are just as confused as they, the young person, is, and therefore they're not taking clues from their parents. They're taking clues from places that are consistent in what they say and do. And that's why the mass media, the entertainment media, is so impactful in the lives of our children. They don't teach a biblical worldview, but they teach a worldview that is consistent, whether it's secular humanism, Marxism, Eastern mysticism, postmodernism, or any of the other non-biblical worldviews. So there's several things there that are, I, I think are key for our, our audience to understand. Uh, according to George Barnett, he says... A person's worldview is pretty well set by the time they're 13 years of age. Mm-hmm. What does that say about the importance of, of where we are with our family as far as sharing God's Word at early ages mm-hmm. and our churches? But number two, the point he was making, what he found in his survey was mom and dad may say things mm-hmm. that are true, but the kids are looking at them and saying, wait a minute, you say church is important to you, but 
you say, but I'm not going to go to church today. I'm going to go out and play golf. Mm. And they're seeing a hypocrisy there. Inconsistency. Inconsistency. Yeah. And then what Barna found out was the reason they're starting to look at secular media and others for truth because I'll call them Satan's crowd. Mm-hmm. They're consistent. Mm. They say what they believe and then they behave the way they say. Right. So they, the kids are seeing a consistency in those who don't have a biblical worldview. Mm-hmm. But they're looking at mom and dad who say the right mm-hmm. things but then don't live according to the, what they say they believe in. Mm. So the parents as role models, whether they like it or not, they're the role models before their children. And children are always watching the parents yes. all the time. What the parents do. Mm-hmm. Is more is is actually I think what Barn is saying what the parents do mm-hmm. is more important than what the parents say. Mm-hmm. Kids are looking at what mom and dad are doing versus mm-hmm. what they're saying. Mm-hmm. That's powerful. It's powerful. Well, we're going to listen to another clip as well. Then would you set the next clip up? As well? Yeah, in the interview I did the other day with uh, Doctor Barna, we we then dealt with the issue. He also did surveys of pastors. Mm-hmm. And this was really disturbing, Pastor Joe. 41% roughly, he said, of pastors, only 41%, 4 of 10, have a biblical worldview. And remember mm. what we described as biblical worldview. Less than half of the pastors. Of the senior pastors of a church. Mm. And then associate pastors, it's down to about 28%, so mm. less than three. And then the alarm... To me, the perhaps the most alarming, although all of these stats are alarming, only 13% of youth pastors mm. have a biblical worldview. So, uh, Rick, if we can have a listen to that. I think most Christian parents, people listening to this program, would say, well, uh, maybe the parents are depending on their churches to instill a Christian worldview in their kids. But I want to read you... The headline from the Cultural Research Center to the next part of your survey. And folks, hold on to your seat. New Barner Research, majority of American pastors do not hold a biblical worldview. Were you shocked by this, Dr. Barna? And uh, I want you to go, you're a numbers guy, go through some of the numbers because to me it was absolutely shocking. Yeah, no, it didn't surprise me, but it is heartbreaking. I got to tell you, you know, uh, Fred, I've been tracking this for almost 30 years now. And so consistently, we've seen not only the decline in biblical worldview among Americans themselves, but even among the pastors of Christian churches. So we look at this, for instance, and we broke it into five different types of pastors we found with a weighted average that 37% of all Christian pastors across the country have a biblical worldview. That's barely one out of every three Christian pastors having a biblical worldview. Now, it varies by the type of pastor you find in churches. Senior pastors, 41% have a biblical worldview. That's four out of ten, which, of course, means most senior pastors of Christian churches do not have a biblical worldview. Among associate pastors and assistant pastors, 28% have a biblical worldview. Why does that matter? Because the way the churches usually work is when a senior pastor leaves or retires, the next pastor that gets hired is often an associate pastor. 
And so we're looking at only 28% of them with a biblical worldview. Then we can look at another category, teaching pastors. Now, think about it. Who has a teaching pastor? Somebody whose sole job in the church is to teach, usually megachurches. What we find here is that only 13% of teaching pastors have a biblical worldview. The one that breaks my heart most of all is when we look at children's and youth pastors, people who take care of and, and teach our children who are under the age of 18. Only 12% of those pastors have a biblical worldview. Why that breaks my heart more than any of the others is that it's children who are the most vulnerable. A person develops their worldview between the ages of 15 to 18 months and 13 years of age. So it's predominantly children's pastors and parents who have that great impact, should have that great spiritual impact on those children, and yet only one out of every eight children's or youth pastors have a biblical worldview. Worst of all were the executive pastors, where we found that only 4% of them have a biblical worldview. Hmm. Pretty shocking numbers. (laughs) Really? Shocking numbers. And, you know, to, to underline what uh, Dr. Barnum was saying there, so you combine the parents and the number of parents who have a true biblical worldview and demonstrate that and how they live. And then he talks about youth pastors and uh, I think he said 12 percent and then 13 percent teaching pastors. At that level, you're talking less than two out of ten that have a biblical worldview. So what are kids supposed to think? They're not seeing it at home. They're not seeing it in their churches. And perhaps after we come back after the break, we can talk a little bit, how do we get here? Mm -hmm. What has happened, you know, in our, our secular world, but, you know, we... We're not getting what we need to be doing, nourishment, spiritual nourishment in the church and at mm. home. And uh, that's the alarming part of this. But I think the good news in all of this is that we have a God of second chances. That's right. This can change, folks. Mm-hmm. This can change. Mm. And uh, so we need to be reminded of this. This, this all sounds that's, that's tragic, but we need to have this information in order to make change. We need to have the truth Mm -hmm. in order to say, okay, this is what we have to do. This is not good where we are. Mm -hmm. Here's what we have to do to change. That's right. And the reality of the fact is this is a result. These are some of the results of the spiritual warfare that's going on all the time. The fact that Satan's always trying to persuade people, pull them from truth into deception, into darkness, into going in wrong ways. And that's not a new tactic on his part. That's been around a long, long time. Yes, for sure. You're listening to the Hour of Intercession. Our in-studio guest today is Fred Jackson. He's the news director for American Family News. We'll be right back. Do you feel the world is broken? We 
Music of Andrew Peterson, Is He Worthy? Thanks for listening to the Hour of Intercession here on American Family Radio. Our in-studio guest today is Fred Jackson. He's the news director for American Family News. And Fred, as we begin this last segment, I'm going to start off by sharing from the book of Ephesians chapter 4, which has critically important insight about the church and the mission of the church as well. Ephesians 4, starting at verse 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all, But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this he ascended. What does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all all things. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. From him the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, 
causing growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Verses 1 through 16, that's a portion of Ephesians chapter 4. And you know, Fred, I think this chapter, and I want to encourage our listeners, take time to read all of um, chapter 4. In fact, you need to read the whole book of Ephesians, you know, to get a good foundational understanding of God's foundational framework for his church. The church is called to equip the saints for the work of ministry. It's called to share the truth, and it's called to help believers grow up and become mature, strong believers. And, you know, Fred, I think of this. Um, it, I appreciate you sharing what you were sharing towards the end of the last segment because many believers listening might think, well, we're just hopeless. <laughs> Well, because we know Jesus, we're never hopeless. No. There's always great hope in Christ Jesus. An important truth behind that, though, is that God desires every believer to be faithful where he's called and planted them in themselves as well. Amen. Amen. And we are, as we talked about, to be salt and light. That's right. uh, we, li- we live in, in dark days, mm-hmm. uh, spiritually speaking. Uh, But, you know, um, at some point, uh, Jesus will come and call us home. Mm -hmm. He's coming to set up his kingdom. That's right. So the future is very bright. Exactly. But for now, um, we have to, again, we have to go back to the example of the day and age in which Jesus was here and walked on this earth. Mm -hmm. They didn't set out the welcome mat for him. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, there's a reason he ended up on the cross. Now, it was all part of God's salvation plan. I understand that. Mm-hmm. But he ended up at the cross because they didn't like his message. Mm-hmm. They they found it very offensive. Mm-hmm. So, of course, Jesus is God. He knew that in 2022, mm-hmm. we would face the same kind of environment. Mm-hmm. But, you know, God's word doesn't say, put up the white flag, mm-hmm. just be quiet, and we'll just wait for Jesus to come. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, that's not it. Mm-hmm. The reason he is keeping us here is to share the gospel because God's word says he is not willing that any should perish. That's right. That any should perish. So that's our job. Mm-hmm. That's our job to be salt and light, to share God's word. Mm-hmm. So the Holy Spirit then takes that and works in the hearts of man. But as we've been talking about also, we have to live God's mm-hmm. word. Mm-hmm. We have to make sure that when we're out there each day, and we'll give you know an example, you're in a grocery store mm-hmm. or you're at your favorite Walmart, whatever the case may be, you come across the, uh, the candy part there mm-hmm. and, some, and you, side, you decide you're going to take, whether it's the grocery side, you're going to take a few grapes and eat them right there mm-hmm. or you're going to take a candy and eat. There are people watching. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you talk to them, I'm a Christian. Mm-hmm. Well, you're a thief mm-hmm. is what you are. One of the Ten Commandments, <laughs> you shall not steal. <laughs> yeah, that that's a pretty simple example, but, mm-hmm. you know, probably there's more reality to it than what, what, mm-hmm. what we think. Are we living what we know to be true? Are we living? Because mm-hmm. people are watching. That's right. They are watching. Mm-hmm. They're looking for that mm-hmm. consistency. Or, you know, when, when a crisis does happen, do we throw up our hands? You know, the stock market is falling. What am I going to do? Mm-hmm. God is still in control mm-hmm. no matter where the stock market is. And, you know, Fred, so just very much in line with what you're saying, it's important for us to remember that we serve the God of the universe. Yes. God can do anything. He's called us as his church to be salt and light. And, you know, we can look and see this. The kingdom of, he- the, excuse me, the kingdom of darkness is very aggressive. Mm-hmm. 
But you know, the Holy Spirit is more aggressive than that. Yes. Our job is to submit to the Holy Spirit and do what he says. Now, on the one hand, some may say, well, it looks like to me he's kind of passive. No, not, that's not the Holy Spirit. That's people. Yes. In reality, when we submit to what the Word of God clearly calls us to do, we'll see the wonder, the grace, and the mercy, and the aggressiveness of the Holy Spirit. For example, we're called to go forth and make disciples. You know, every believer is supposed to be involved in the great work of sharing the gospel and making disciples. Well, so if you if a believer listens and thinks, well, you know, my church, we don't talk about evangelism that much, and we don't do it that much, and I don't know many people that do. That's not the Holy Spirit's fault. God has already told us. Mm-hmm. And a challenge I, we would want to lay before every single listener is decide, number one, you're going to be an obedient disciple. You know, very simply, just because you don't see anybody else in your church giving out gospel tracts or sharing the gospel or talking about how God has answered your prayer— and you think, well, I'll look kind of weird if I do that a lot. That's a part of following Jesus. Yes. If we follow Jesus faithfully, we're going to look a little on the weird side. But, you know, but the reality is God will use every faithful believer. And I like to go back to the story of Ship and Pew because to me that's, that's a small story, but it's such a powerful one. Mm-hmm. They took the truth they had and stood up for what was right in the face of what would be considered the most powerful government in the world. Yes. And— Probably they helped to save the life of a little baby boy named Moses by doing what they did. And the reality is every time a believer stands up courageously for truth, God will always use them. Even yes. if it does, they don't see how God's using them, God always uses faithful believers who stand up for truth in every setting. How many times have we heard a story about uh, a great evangelist? Mm-hmm. Uh, and you do the backstory <clears throat> about how they came to the Lord. And very often it was through a Sunday school teacher. That's right. Very often it's through a neighbor who mm-hmm. shared the truth of God's word with them. They may not have accepted Christ right there at that moment, but mm-hmm. you never know mm-hmm. because the the Bible talks about planting seeds. That's right. That's right. So you're you know I think many times we want to be the seed planter and we want to be the harvester. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but God's word says no. Uh, you know for you. Fred or Pastor Joe, you're going to be the seed planter. Mm-hmm. But somebody two years from now is going to be the harvester. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes, you know, let's be, we want a little bit of the glory ourselves. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's not our job in that instant. Mm-hmm. You know, it is the work of the Holy Spirit. He takes the seed that we have the honor of planting. That's right. Holy Spirit works on that heart over time. Mm-hmm. And uh, it may be a month. It may be two years. It may be three years. Mm-hmm. That person uh, hears the gospel message again and says, wait a minute, that's what I heard back there a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And we should never underestimate what God will do with one faithful servant no matter where they are. Yeah. We God. may not meet that person until we get to heaven. Mm-hmm. We may not know that. That's right. We we look for instant gratification sometimes in that, and we get discouraged because we don't see the result right away. Mm-hmm. But remember, God doesn't exist inside our time box. Mm-hmm. He exists outside of time. That's right. And and we got to keep that perspective. And, you know, Fred, a major part of that, and, and it relates to a number of things you've touched on as well, we must be believers who are rooted in the Word of God. Uh, you know, I pretty regularly challenge believers on our broadcast to set a goal to reading three chapters a day. Well, that's just a good basic spiritual meal, but it helps to establish a foundation of truth that can help you walk through any and all the storms of life. If you have that Word rooted in your heart and you stand on it, God can use you 
and you'll be growing to maturity. And as Ephesians 4 touched on, God wants us to mature to the mm. place where we'll faithfully simply just follow him where he's called us to, to serve him. Yes. I <clears throat> This morning during our, our staff devotions, I had the opportunity to read from Joshua chapter 4. Mm. And that is where the Jews are getting set to cross the Jordan River. Mm-hmm. And uh, God instructed Joshua to tell to pick a, a representative from each tribe to pick up a stone as they passed through the dry riverbed. God backed up the waters of the Jordan. Mm-hmm. They crossed over on dry land through that riverbed. He told a member of each of the tribes to pick up a stone. Well, why? You know, that sounds kind of strange. Why? Well, he said, it's because I want you to lay that stone and build a monument on the other side. Mm. so that generations down the road, your children will ask, why? (laughs) This is why we did it. This is where God showed up big. Mm -hmm. We followed what he told us to do, and this is the result of it. Mm. It's a marker. That's right. Max Lucado calls it a marker. Mm. We ought to set up markers for ourselves and but for those that follow behind us. That's right. That's right. Well, Fred, our time is about gone. But before we, as we normally do, before we end the broadcast again, uh, if you're listening today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, today is a great day to be saved. And we'd like to invite you to make that step. If you're listening and you desire to be saved and you'd like to receive Christ, would you simply pray this prayer with me at this time? Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me so much that you came into this world a long time ago. You lived. You died on the cross to pay for my sins. Three days later, you rose up from the dead so that I could be saved. Lord, I confess I've sinned and done wrong in many ways. Lord, I repent and I turn from all the wrong I've done. Forgive me, Lord, for all the wrong things I've done. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. Make me the person you would have me to be. You said in your word, whoever calls in the name of the Lord shall be saved. Lord, I'm calling on your name. Lord, save me. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to live my whole life for you. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer, we very much would like to hear from you. My email is joseph at afr.net. Again, that's joseph at afr.net. We'd like to share with you some literature and resources that will help you to begin to grow and grow strong in your new walk with the Lord. So please get in touch with us. Again, joseph at afr.net. Fred, thanks so much for being with us today. Great to be with you, Pastor. Now, we got to get you back a lot sooner than this than <laughs> we did last time. So thank you for coming and sharing. Amen. And to our listeners, pray much for the ministry of the American Family Association and pray specifically for the work of Fred and the American Family News Department as well because they are sharing truth that the world desperately needs to hear, news from a Christian perspective. Pray for them, and we appreciate your prayers. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time for the Hour of Intercession.
The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.